Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we, I guess the playoffs are uh, set. Um, it's, been, it's been an interesting time getting there and uh, some surprises and just some uncertainty. But uh, I guess we have it set, right? Uh, from what I know, the Miami Heat, I was glad to see a Florida team in there. You know, I'm, I'm all about that. Versus the Boston, Boston Celtics, you know, old school team uh, in the playoffs from way back. Um, so, yeah, they will advance to the NBA Finals. So, who you got uh, your bet, your bets on, I guess? Although you're not supposed to bet, I guess. But um, who, who, do you, who do you favor? And why? You know, so if you want to talk about that for a few minutes, give me a call. The number is 516-387-1944. In a minute, we're going to have uh, State Representative Bruce Antone. He's going to give us a legislative update. And he's going to answer a question for me in the last uh, half of the first half of the show. The second half. It's up to you if you have something that you want to discuss. Uh, you know, make sure you keep the number and, and give a call in. Uh, we've got an interesting week this week coming up. Um, Wednesday we have uh, Chef George Ashford from CBB Stro on. So, you know, if you uh, need, need some culinary questions answered, he'll be on on Wednesday. Thursday is Tech Thursday, the third Thursday of the month here on G's Power Hour. Burton mm-hmm. Kelso will be on then and then on friday we're going to change it up a little bit i'm I'm going going to try to get uh um oh goodness gracious i can't think today our gardener robert bowden on another day but friday we are going to do a show regarding Mm -hmm. um may 20th which is the following day but you know i'm not doing the show that day but um Kevin Anderson is going to be with uh, and with us and some other folks, and we're going to discuss May 20th because here in Florida on May 20th is when our state received the news about the Emancipation Proclamation. So we're going to have a little discussion on Friday about that, so make sure you join us then. Um, in the meantime, just wanted to uh, you know put that out there, and uh, next week, we are going to try to do some um, hurricane preparedness tips uh, because the following week, June 1st, uh, is the beginning of hurricane season. Uh, but before that, uh, there there is going to be the uh, tax-free 
uh, purchasing that you can do. I think it starts on May 28th, and it runs through, I want to say almost mid-June. But we will be posting that information in terms of the things that you could purchase between uh, May 28th and that time. And uh, we will have different guests on to talk about hurricane preparedness. So make sure that you join us next week. Um, and if you have any questions in advance that I can't answer but and we need to get someone on to answer, you know, hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page, send me a message, and, and we'll see what we can do. But anyway, the number is 516-387-1944. Representative Antone should be on with us shortly um, to give us kind of the rundown on what's going on or what went on up in Tallahassee. And uh, like I said, I got my own questions. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. The number, like I said, is 516-387-1944. Deep Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the Arklet. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on KHAM Radio. Are you? Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us. Representative Anton, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning, Gretchen? I'm doing well. You running and gunning, huh? Yeah. Can you hear me fine? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you just fine. So... Take it okay, away. Cool. Give us a give us that update. Take it away. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, well, good morning, everybody. I'm uh, State Representative Bruce Antone. I'm in the Florida House of Representatives, and we just completed uh, the 2023 legislative session uh, a week and a half ago, and uh, it was quite an interesting experience and. And please forgive me, I'm driving. Um, uh, but, uh, it, I, I mean, if you followed the news, if you paid attention to TV, you know there's a lot of interesting stuff that went on, a lot of crazy stuff. A lot of good stuff went on as well. Um, but, you know, Florida just seemed to be embroiled in a culture war situation during the Florida, during the recent legislative session. You know, we get question. We dealt with the transgender community. We dealt with ending all diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in the state of Florida. Uh, we dealt with a whole lot of stuff. But 
I kind of put it in a nutshell. The one thing we have to do every year, and I'm saying the one thing the Florida legislature has to do every year is to pass a budget. That's the one thing and the only thing we really have to do. If we pass some laws, that's icing on the cake. And so this year, Florida passed its largest budget ever. And that was $117 billion. That's a lot of money. That was a $4 billion increase over uh, last year's budget. Uh, and in that budget, for the first time, we put in about $700 million to try to address the housing crisis that exists here in Florida. Uh, so it's money for down payment assistance, money for rehab of existing homes, money for grants to help developers build affordable housing, workforce housing, uh, complexes, communities. but. Just a whole lot of money. Also, I want to say $100 million to something they call the Hometown Heroes. And that is to build workforce housing and down payment assistance for teachers, nurses, uh, health care workers, law enforcement officers, uh, folks that work in critical job uh, areas. But $700 million is a lot of money. Uh, to be putting in for our housing, but it's just the, the tip of the iceberg on addressing the housing crisis that exists here in Florida. Uh, we have a transportation budget of like a, um, $14 billion. And so there's an extra $2 billion we put in there targeted infrastructure projects. So we've got to widen some roads. We've got to build some new roads. We've got to extend some new roads. We've got to repair some of our bridges. Uh, but we put a lot of money in there. Uh, we put ooh, an extra ooh, $20 million in for senior citizens. Uh, and basically, those are dollars to help loved ones take care of their loved ones in their home without having to go to a nursing facility, nursing home, or something like that, assisted living facility. But a lot of stuff went out. How about I stop there, and then if you've got specific questions, then I can try to answer those questions. Would that work? Yes, that'll be fine. So I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, you know, obviously, being a realtor, I'm pleased to see you know some legislative passing to help people uh, with home ownership because I do believe. In home ownership, I believe, you know, I believe it, it, you know, puts a, that's one of the things that the Bible says, you know, shelter people. That's, 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 right. that's key, one of the key things. Also, too, it creates mm-hmm. generational wealth if you manage it properly. So, right. yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm all for, for that. The one question I have is, uh-huh. are we doing anything about, is, is, was there anything that was geared toward mental health? and violence, and gun violence in particular? Well, I know we did include like $5 million in the budget for gun violence and urban inner city gun violence prevention uh, project. Uh, I'm not sure if that money will be spent statewide or whether it will just be spent in, say, the Tampa or St. Pete area. But we did put $5 million in the budget to try to begin to deal with the the gun violence issue that is just wreaking havoc uh, in our inner so, city and 
urban communities. Uh huh. Go ahead. Why? Do, why? No, I'm just curious. You know, I mean, I, I've lived in in that Tampa area uh, years back, and then also too, I have family and friends in the Tampa St. Pete Clearwater area. I was just curious why that particular area would be targeted. Um, I mean, I, uh, was the person who, who uh, proposed the bill or sponsored the bill, is that where they're from? Or what, why that particular area? Especially because I know every day on the news here in, in the Orlando area, we got issues. Seriously. Right. Well, no, that's a great question, Gretchen. So, I have filed a bill called to create the commission on uh, reducing crime and gun violence in urban and inner city commission. And then the senator in the St. Pete Tampa area, he basically ran off and took the idea and got $5 million, I think, for his particular area. That's, that's the answer to your question. <laughs> and so he wants to focus the whole effort for the most part, in the Tampa, St. Pete area. And it really, I was trying to create a statewide commission because we have violence everywhere, Orlando, St. Pete, Tampa, Jacksonville, you know, Mm -hmm. Tallahassee, Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale. But I think he got a little bit selfish and created the program and got the funding just for his particular area. In the wow. case of mental health, mm, yeah, I know, I know. That's that's what your people do sometimes. Oh, uh, we did. I'm sorry. We did put a lot of money out there for mental health, uh, and mm. that will be statewide. I just don't know the details right now. It was probably at least $100 million we put out there to begin to try to make a dent in the mental health crisis that uh, we're facing, you know, here in Florida. I mean, it's it's with our teenage kids. It's, uh, it's with our uh, middle-aged folks. It's with our senior citizens. I mean, but I think yeah. everybody is now starting to understand that mental health is a really, really serious issue, and it affects a whole lot of folks. And, uh in today's climate, man, with this information and the stress of our everyday jobs and just living, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of folks well, this, are, are needing help in mental health. Mm-hmm. This didn't just start, and this is a, this is kind of personal for me because um, I grew up with a grandmother who was up at what we had as the state hospital at one time, Chattahoochee, um, which okay. we no uh-huh. longer have. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Um, uh-huh. My mother ended up starting to get uh, dementia, um, uh-huh. uh, started out mild, and then, it was, you know, just got a chance to watch it progress. And I know um, a couple people right now that are dealing with that with their parents. Um, so mm-hmm. when when you get more details on where that large amount of money is going, and obviously it's probably not enough, but when you okay. get more detail, can you come back to the show and, and, and or if you have to grab somebody else to give us details, can you do that? I certainly will. I certainly will. I Thank will try you. to do that within the next week or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, that and, you that know, really I mean, is a huge issue. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, it is. It is. But along with that, I think a component that has to go with that or, or not maybe not with it, but maybe a separate uh, is some faith-based initiatives. So were there any of those types of things discussed during this session? Not that I know of. We didn't do anything with trying to put money in place for faith-based initiatives in mental health and stuff. And, and that's a good point. Um, it's something I will have to try to make sure we focus on next year. Uh, and just like I say, getting back, you know, going back to the legislature this year, I had to kind of reacclimate to myself to what was going on. And so I wasn't able to cover all my bases there, but I think that is a project that is certainly worth taking on for next year. Uh, putting some funding and programs in place to really get our faith-based communities uh, more engaged in mental health, gun violence, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, I will touch on some of the culture war issues that went on this year. One was permitless carry, gun carry. Mm. And so the law that goes into effect, I believe, July 1st, it basically says that anybody can carry a gun on them. You can't openly carry it, but you can carry it on your possession. You can have it in your car. You don't need a concealed carry weapons permit, but you do have to have a valid ID, which it can be a state issue ID or a driver's license ID. And so you can have that on you, a weapon on you. You know, these days we're only talking like a pistol. You can't be really going around with, long guns, rifles, and stuff. But that was a major change this year. And I would just urge anybody that's a person of color that decides that they're going to carry their weapon with them, you know, I would say go get the concealed carry weapons training and permit. And uh, if you're going to have it in your car, make sure that it's locked in the glove compartment, is in the trunk or something. Uh, but, you know, when I debated this permitless carry thing on the floor of the house, I said, man, this really creates a false sense of security for certain groups of kids, especially black kids and Hispanic kids, right? Because, you know, you have a weapon on you in your car that you get stopped by the police for any reason and first thing they say hey do you have a gun and you say yep and then you know that's a trigger for some cop then they call backup you know then here come the dogs and and, you know it's just going to be important for these young people if they happen to have a weapon on them in their car and they are stopped by law enforcement they're going to have to be on their best behavior so that they can avoid, you know, triggering a certain reaction from law enforcement. Another culture war issue, which just blew my mind, is that we imposed, and I'm saying we, the legislature voted by like a 70 to 40 vote to impose a six-week ban on abortion. So where the abortion in Florida, you could get an abortion up to 15 weeks, uh, now, uh, you cannot get an abortion after six weeks unless there is a medical necessity 
or rape or incest. And then even in the event of medical necessity or rape and incest, you have to provide paperwork. So you have to provide uh, a rape report. You have to provide two uh, documents from two different doctors that it's necessary for a woman to get an abortion after six weeks. I mean, this is just crazy stuff. Uh, nobody, nobody that I know of is around here saying we needed to impose a six-week ban on abortion. I think most folks are like, hey, 15 weeks or 20 weeks, that's fine, you know? That's fine. But just allow women to make the best decision for themselves and their bodies without the state trying to tell them what to do it. And when I talk to ladies about this, most of them said they don't generally know that they're pregnant until week six, seven, or eight. And if this is their first time being pregnant, you know, they don't even understand what's going on with their body. And That's so what I was if going they to say, it's like, really? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, no. You know, I mean, unless, you know, uh, uh, most of us aren't as in tune with our bodies as we should be. We really are. Right. Uh-huh. Um, not just mm-hmm. with pregnancy, but, but everything. So just to, right. to, yeah, the six-week thing. And while I'm, while I'm not a proponent of abortion, um, uh-huh. I still say that if, you, you know, whatever laws that are being made, they've got to be kind of <laughs> sensible. Um, you know, and that's one of those things where, yeah, if if you don't know until week seven that you're pregnant, well, shoot, that doesn't help you much if that's the decision oh, it, you're going it to make. Doesn't help you at all. I mean, and the, and the bill sponsor's explanation is this this new law, this six week ban, treats all women the same. And so the examples I brought up is what happens to the young teenager who's in foster care, who gets pregnant like some teenagers do, mm-hmm. and she misses that window. She is not raped. It's not incest. It's just she had underage sex, and they're like, oh, well, too bad, right? What about, mm-hmm. and this was a bad example, but it was a party. What about the lady that's, that's married, that's in a committed relationship, and she happens to be cheating on the side? And she gets pregnant and then decides, oh, no, I'm pregnant. I need to get an abortion. Well, this thing catches them as well, right? It is, I mean, six weeks just makes no sense whatsoever. If you want to go with the truest sense of the definition of abortion, abortion is a medical procedure that ends a pregnancy, right? So it really doesn't matter whether it's six weeks or 15 weeks, you know, an abortion is an abortion. So let women make the right choice, the best choice for themselves and their bodies and, and leave it at 15 weeks. But we couldn't do that. Uh, we decided, or the legislature decided, they needed to ban drag shows. So, you know, you can't take minors to a drag show. If you do, uh, the establishment, the restaurant, the club, the bar, the hotel that hosts the drag show gets fined five thousand dollars for the first offense, uh, ten, fifteen thousand dollars for the next offense. Another issue was transgender persons. So you have a transgender male, which I think is a a person that was born as a female, 
and is now a man, and then you have the transgender man. I'm trying to think transgender female who was born I as understand. a man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so okay. now, yeah, we have this law that says everybody has to use the bathroom that is the same as the sex that they were born with. So their birth, they have to use the bathroom associated with their sex at birth. And so when we begin to talk about transgender individuals, I mean, you have uh, the transgender male who has changed their appearance, and so now they look like a man, and the transgender woman who now looks like a woman, right? And if they're supposed to go in the bathroom that is associated with their sex at birth, then you run the risk of people calling the police on you, right? And, and it's just crazy stuff. And and again, I debated and said, man, we need a solution. You know, we don't need to be finding businesses $5,000 because somebody went to the wrong bathroom. You know, we don't need hotel, not hotel, but workers, you know, trying to check the sexual status of a person that's going to the bathroom. You know, we need a solution. So, you know, we used to well, have I, black and white bathrooms. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of places now, restaurants or whatever, they're just kind of doing the, I guess, the one bathroom, you know, for everybody mm-hmm. or whatever. Now, I have to tell you, I, I am uncomfortable with uh-huh. the prospect of someone who is a male going in. First of right. all, I don't, first of all, me, and, and this is me personally, I don't like going in a bathroom that has a, a toilet and a urinal. Because right, okay. I'm gonna tell you, okay. Most of the time, it's a mess. Okay, uh-huh. I'm sorry, right. it, but but mm-hmm. it's just I don't feel like there's good hygiene practiced in those areas. Um, uh-huh. and, and then also too, I believe, and I could be wrong, that there are some people out. That, you know, there's some some people that have sincerely uh, taken the issue seriously, but there are some people out there that are taking advantage of the situation that would be dressed as a woman and saying their mm-hmm. hands and, and right. just finding a way to get their, their jollies and putting women in, in uncomfortable and comp- compromising positions. So right. I think that, that that issue needs to be studied more and, and looked into so that, uh, you know, those people that <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, this Gemma is not the people that God made the way they are don't have to right. sacrifice and be uncomfortable because someone else didn't like the design that God made on them. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. And I will tell you, um, again, when you and I were young, we had black and white bathrooms. Then we went to bathrooms where color didn't matter. Then we came up with the issue of uh, handicapped bathrooms. And then we came up with the necessity for family bathrooms. And so, like, in the schools, the public schools, there are transgender kids. And so what they've tried to do in the school system is find a solution, which means there might be a bathroom in the teacher's lounge, right? And so that is the the bathroom that is designated for the transgender student, you know. And in some cases, in the new school, they are trying to, to build a a bathroom for the transgender students. And that's what I'm saying about a solution. You know, we've, we've just got to make the adjustment because, you know, the world has changed. I mean, it, 
and I go back to this example that I use in the legislature. When I was a little kid in the 60s in South Alabama, there was only two kinds of people. There was black folks and white folks, right? And mm-hmm. uh, what we would say, men and women. Well, that's not the world anymore. Uh, it is changing. And I don't say we have to become the world, but we are going to have to make adjustments because the world has changed. I mean, we had some individuals that testified to the committee on the bathroom issue. Uh, one man was probably in his 60s. Um, well, he he was born a man. He was now a transgender woman, I believe. I hope I got that right. Uh, but this mm-hmm. guy had fought in Desert, you know, Desert Storm One. I mean, he was a former decorated military guy, but he said for 45 years he had struggled with his identity, whether he was a man or female, right? And so now mm-hmm. he had made that trans that transition to be a transgender woman, and and I mean, I it was just. Uh, it really was serious issues listening to him and other people that are dealing with this issue. So, you know, I I can't judge whether they are was sincere or not sincere, but, I mean, they had a lot of tears flowing, a lot of emotion behind that testimony. But it is, this is really a big issue, you know. Um mm-hmm. You know, we went through this thing where they passed legislation that bans uh, parents from allowing their children to have gender reassignment surgery. So they're born a boy, and the parents say it's okay for them to have surgery and become a girl or vice versa, right? And the number Mm -hmm. of instances where, where parents are allowing their kids to to change their gender is so small, but I mean, that was just the issue that we spent half a day discussing that, you know, they spent hours discussing banning pronouns. Are you familiar with the pronouns mm-hmm. that individuals use now? Yeah. I mean, and again, I, this was all new to me this year. I did not understand the pronouns, but I mean, we had so many folks walk up to the podium to testify, hey, I identify as as them and they. I identify as he and him, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm having a difficult time grasping the pronoun thing, but it is here. It is real. Mm -hmm. And, uh, again, it's just the way the world has changed. And, and so, you know, it's going to require people to make some adjustments in how they address other individuals now. Uh, and I'm just trying to think what else we dealt with this year. Uh, well, let me we ask put a whole you lot this. of money in. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, because I know you had mentioned that you only had up until 12 o'clock. Is that still the case, or do you have some extra I got, time? I got another 30 minutes. Okay, cool. Because you know I yeah, gotta get something up. else, but but so well, we're gonna take a quick break and uh-huh. we're gonna come back, okay? So okay, okay. <laughs> we're here with St- State Representative Bruce Antone. Um, he's given us an update on what went on with the uh, legislative session recently. And if you have questions or comments, the number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Uh-huh. 
This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good afternoon and welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Getting a legislative update with Florida State Representative Bruce Antone. If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. So, Bruce, go ahead with what you were going to um, uh, talk about. Okay, well, uh, another thing that's really important to me and I think is important to the state of Florida is I passed a bill, House Bill 1441, that creates a task force uh, called the Florida Museum of Black History Task Force, and that is to plan for construction of a, a black museum that is owned and managed by the state of Florida. And so it's not a slavery museum. It's not a civil rights museum. It is a museum about the history of black folks in the state of Florida and the contributions that black folks have made to the state of Florida. So it would be art. It would be music. You know, it would be a whole bunch of exhibit halls, but a music exhibit hall focused on, say, musical artists from Florida like Ray Charles. It would be the mm-hmm. history of Zornia Hurston. It would be an exhibit hall on black towns and settlements that have existed in the state of Florida, right? But may no longer exist because of gentrification or redevelopment or mm-hmm. because of the Akoi massacre or because of the Rosewood massacre, those kinds of things. It would be blacks and military. So you've got Chappy James, who was the first four-star black general um, in the Air Force. You know, we would do something on NASA and the astronauts, uh, black astronauts. But uh, this would be a museum that would also encompass slavery and reconstruction and civil rights. Uh, but it would just be like, and, and what I'm trying to do is build a $50 million museum. Uh, that's going to be a tribute to, like I say, black folks and their contributions to uh, the history of the state of Florida. Does that make sense what I just said? Gretchen? So, yeah, yeah, it does. I I have a question. Yes, it does. I uh I just have a question. Um, Okay. Sure. So where, I'm curious in terms of location where this might be, um, because my preference and I think it makes sense, it would be somewhere in central Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily need to be Orlando, but I'm just thinking if it's 
uh, Florida History Museum and, and Floridians want to access it, it needs to be, you know, it doesn't need to be all the way north or all the way south. It needs to be something where people from north Florida, south Florida, east, west Florida, you know, everybody, as in addition to the tourists, can access. That's number one. Number two, mm-hmm. is it possible to get uh-huh. a historically black building that still that still exists and get it renovated in order to house and maybe you know uh, you know added on to in order to house this museum uh, something that is of significance to the African American community or something that was built and created by an African American person All right so to answer your first question it's my preference that it's going to be in the Orlando area and maybe Eaton, maybe even in Eatonville. Um, this would be 100,000, 150,000 square foot facility. It would also have a banquet facility in there and an amphitheater, possibly uh, mm-hmm. an IMAX theater. So, I mean, we'd have to find a, a old building that could be renovated. If not, ideally, we would use a black architect and black uh, contractor to to build it. Yeah, so that's that's gonna all be in the works. You know, we just want to make sure it's done right. But um, this is perfect. I mean, I'm talking about something significant. Two other things I think that are really important that we did this year um, is the ban on diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, this is kind of like they're banning affirmative action, right? I mean, there's a ban on any programs that advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion at uh, public institutions, right? And and so years ago, two or three decades ago, we had this this white backlash against affirmative action. And, and so there's a backlash now where people are saying they've gone too far, and I'm just repeating what they've said. This is not necessarily my belief, but they've gone too far with including the LGBTQ transgender training in these diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, which we used to have in corporate America, to help us all get along. So, I mean, this is some crazy stuff that's going on now. Then the other thing of importance is this year is we passed universal school vouchers. So every child in the state of Florida that is school age from kindergarten all the way up to the time they graduate from high school is eligible to get something like an $8,000 voucher from the state of Florida, which they can use to take to a public school. They can be using dollars for homeschooling. They can go to a religious school. They can go to a charter school. They can go to some other kind of school. But every child in the state of Florida will now be eligible to get their $8,000 voucher and go to school wherever they want to go in the state of Florida. That is huge. I'm not saying yeah, I'm all for that because I think it's right with with kids not getting a quality education, but that is huge. Uh, what were you going to well, say, I Gretchen? I think it's, a, I think it's mm-hmm. a kick in the pants for the public school system to get okay. their stuff together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if if they are going to risk losing these dollars that that someone could, could bring to them because the school is not worthy mm-hmm. for whatever reason, then yes, I'm for it until they they can prove that 
that the schools are not are, are you know uh, I mean I, I my understanding is that our, our children are ranking at the at their worst levels area in all of the the disciplines okay mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, yeah I me personally and, and mm-hmm. unfortunately I didn't have any children but my my plan. <laughs> One of the reasons I got into real estate because I wanted a flexible enough schedule so I could homeschool mm-hmm. because I don't, I did not, I, because I know some of the experiences that I went through transitioning from Catholic school to public uh-huh. school, you know, mm-hmm. and part of the thing about the affordability issue, because I'm sure, I mean, you know, my parents didn't, you know, had other reasons too why they wanted me to go to public school, but part of it uh-huh. was the finances. But then, yeah, when uh-huh. I got into public school, there were certain courses that I was on track to take in Catholic school that they would not allow me to take in public school because I was not the age where that particular course was offered, like right. algebra, mm-hmm. like French, mm-hmm. and, and other mm-hmm. things. So I had to wait a year after I got into public school to take those classes because I wasn't allowed in those classes because it, you know, that wasn't the, the right grade to take them. So yeah, right, right. I, yeah, yeah. I would have taken, if, if that had been available <laughs> and if I had class, I would have taken that $8,000 in a heartbeat and I'd have had my child <laughs> sit down and, oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And so they can get this $8,000 voucher and then they can, pay the difference between whatever the tuition is and the amount of the $8,000 voucher. So this is, it's it's a big deal for a lot of people. You know, I mean, uh, 80, 85% of Florida school age kids are educated in the public school system, but there are a lot of folks in, uh, that are homeschooled now, that go to religious schools, that go to charter schools, that go to other kinds of schools. So this really is a big deal, really is a big deal. Um, yeah. I mean, those are kind of the, the highlights of what happened. We didn't do anything to help people with the high rent, you know. Um, yeah. We didn't do anything to deal with uh, the ever increasing property insurance. We didn't do anything to help folks with the ever increasing automobile insurance. You know, we we've got mm-hmm. a crisis in the state of Florida, and mm-hmm. they, they don't want to talk about it. But there is a crisis where uh, folks cannot yeah. afford to live in Florida anymore. You know, it's That's just right. Yeah. So You're I mean, so for right. the first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my daughter pays $2,000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment in Pinellas Park, and she works in oh downtown Tampa. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. But no. that was the only thing that we could find, you know, short of her, you know, renting a two-bedroom or three-bedroom with someone else. I mean, that was the only place that she could find. And, and I mean, she took over the lease. It was uh, $1,500. Well, yeah. that was two years ago. It's gone up $500. Yeah, well, we were, yeah, I mean, and these discussions are going on all over the place. I was having a discussion with uh, one of my cousins that lives in St. Petersburg yesterday mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who is, is talking about she and her son, you know, grown son, 
going in together to to make a purchase on a home mm-hmm. because you know of of different issues, but affordability being one, you know. But right. yeah, I mean we're we're probably going to have more multi generational housing partially mm-hmm. because of affordability. If you are in a right. situation where you've got people that are retiring and, you know, the the income is not going to be what, what you know, they're they're accustomed to or what they can, can manage. And and then on top of that, let's say they've got uh sons and daughters that are graduating college and the jobs are not there for them and they've still got to pay all of that uh college loan money. Well guess what? Right. This probably mm-hmm. this probably gonna be, you know, back um <laughs> back back home, you know, and everybody living under one roof again. Yeah. Yeah. Because well I mean that that's, that's where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Because also too the salaries aren't keeping up. And the and, mm-hmm. and corporate America is not willing to do a lot of on the job training to have the, the the people that they need to work in these areas. And so what they're doing is overtaxing the people that they do have, putting extra work right. on them, having them working, um, you know, crazy hours and stuff like that, and, and not necessarily compensating them the way they should be compensated. So. Well, I, I sat on a legislative panel with the West Orange Chamber uh, last Thursday. It was six legislators, and and we talked about this. And one of the comments I made was, you know, for the longest, the governor and other folks have been laughing at California and talking about, oh, man, they've got all these homeless folks. Uh, the mm-hmm. cost of living out there is so high, and, and folks are moving to Florida. Well, uh, California's wages are significantly higher than Florida. And then we got mm-hmm. all these folks here in Florida that are making $15 an hour or $18 an hour. They cannot afford a $2,000 a month apartment, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, our issue, our housing issue is probably worse than California because our salaries, here in Florida are low. So, I mean, again, we are at a crisis point, and and there's just no solutions right now. I mean, you know, Orange County voted on rent control. I'm not necessarily in favor of rent control, but mm-hmm. we're at a point where we've got to do something. You cannot keep raising the rent here and then mm-hmm. not expect there to be a homeless problem or, like you and- said, multi generations living in the same house Uh uh-huh yeah and on top of that uh you've got builders that are dealing with their own crises in terms of of getting uh, affordable materials and getting them in a Mm -hmm. timely fashion i mean Mm -hmm. if, if you see projects around there that that are taking a long time it's because a, a lot of builders are are waiting to get the materials first to complete a project, usually you could build and, and order materials and the materials. I mean, if you even watch some of the the uh, home shows on on HGTV and some of these other networks, you're seeing on in real time on on their shows, you know that mm-hmm. oh well the the windows aren't coming in. I mean, there's a place that was being built in Ocoee, the windows weren't coming in. I think for 16 weeks. So, you wow. know, you, and then by the time the windows come in and you have to put them in, well, the price of everything has gone up. You can't, 
necessarily charge the same amount and, and turn a profit as you, you would have charged, you know, before. So a lot of people are even waiting, uh, builders are even waiting to put stuff on the market until the place is built, <laughs> you know, or, or right. having to project the cost that is going to actually cost to, to turn a profit, you know, in, in order to, um, you know, sell the property in, you know, like I said, you know, stay in business. So, but anyway, um, I, I have something I need to ask you, and we're going to do it after the break, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're here with Florida State Representative Bruce Antone. He's given us a legislative u- update, and he's going to answer a question for me when we come back. And if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. So, you know, Bruce, I told you I needed to ask you something, and this Mm -hmm. is in regards to getting, um, and I was going to ask about one particular issue, but I think I want to ask in general. I was talking with you last week about uh, efforts to make, let's say, May 20th a holiday here in Florida because that was the day that Florida received uh, their Emancipation Proclamation. So you're making making that day or a day close to it or whatever uh, uh, holiday here in Florida, and that re- require, I guess, a petition. So whether it's that issue or some other issue, because you've talked about a lot of stuff that <laughs> seems to need to be on the ballot next year, and I guess this is the time to start. Can you walk us through the process of getting an idea from just an idea to on the ballot next November? All right. Um, And I apologize because I didn't get all the exact details. But what you have to do is you have to register a committee with the Florida Department of State. Uh, You have to put forth kind of a petition. What what is the question that you want to put on the ballot that the voters will vote for. So there's a petition out there now uh, to reinstate abortion in Florida to to the Roe versus Wade uh, decision, which would be 20 weeks, right? Uh, and it would ban the legislature from putting any restrictions on abortion in Florida. But they have to go through and get several hundred thousand petitions signed 
And then once those petitions are signed and verified, and there's a certain length of time you have to do it. And it's like a year. And even though, say, well, you only need half a million signatures, if you need half a million verified signatures, you probably need a million petitions, right? But there's a cost associated with verifying every petition. That's like 10 or 15 cents. Um, and so once you get, say, the half million petitions verified and submitted, then the Department of State, the Supreme Court will say, okay, you are now clear to go get the million signatures that you need to act and put it on the ballot. So this is something that generally takes about a year or two to get something on the statewide ballot. Um, and then it will be voted on. But, yeah, it's it's not a complex thing. It is just a very labor-intensive uh, process of getting all these signatures. And they can't be from one area of the state. They have to be from all over the state. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you kind of sort of did. So, number one, <laughs> it, it, could, it, could be, it could be a little costly. So basically, uh-huh. you would probably need to get sponsors, right, or donations, right? But you said you have to create a, you have to create a committee. Is that correct? Yeah, it had to be registered with the state of Florida, the, the Department of State. Yeah, I mean, sponsors in, in some cases when they did the restoration of rights for felons, there was an organization called Focus, which you know, raise money to pay folks to go out and gather signatures. At some point in time, the NAACP and, uh, ooh, there was one other organization. But, I mean, they kicked in to the tune of a million or $2 million to get all these signatures to put this on the ballot. And then once you get on the ballot, then you have to raise some money to do some advertising so that people know it's on the ballot. You know, so... I can say it's 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 a labor intensive and it can be a costly uh, thing to do. It is not something that just happens because it's a good idea. It it takes a lot of planning and it takes a lot of labor, and it takes people out there at the WalMarts, at the post office, at the grocery store, collecting signatures and doing it right. So when they're bothering you while you're trying to go in and get some groceries in Walmart that that you know is already going to be a, a pain because the line is going to be long and, and all the kind of stuff, uh, that's mm-hmm. some of what they're doing, right? Yeah, and you think about how many times you're like, hey, I ain't got time to be bothered by that, right? And so, yeah. you know, they can stand there for an hour and maybe only get five or six folks to sign a signature, a petition, right? But you're going to need a half million petitions, if not a million. So, and yeah. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it, mm-hmm. it, it just is labor intensive. It really is. But can you go to like churches? Um, you know, can you, yeah. you, you know, take them to like um, or, organizations that have meetings on a regular basis and say, hey, you know, um, you know, mm-hmm. presentations and stuff like that? Okay. I'm just trying to, you yeah. know, throw, throw this out there, you know, because like I said, you I can know do all of that. I, I want to do, you can do all of that. Okay. All right. All and right. then, so let's say once you get the, the, the initial part, the signatures, I guess, or whatever needed, do you have to wait for a, a, a response and how long does it usually take to get the response? All of that type of stuff. 
Uh, they usually make a decision on it in about a month or so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not it's no quick turnaround. Yeah. No. Unless, unless you think a month is it's, it's quick. No. <laughs> no. This would take you it's going to take a minimum of a year to get mm-hmm. it on the ballot. And then that's every two years. It's not you know, the election is every two yeah. years, so yeah, so if you don't get it on the ballot this time, you have to start over after next November. Is that what it is? Yep. Oh, joy yep. You have a time frame to do it. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So, yeah. um, all right. So, uh, what is what is usually the deadline? I mean, I'm sure. The, when do they usually like finalize ballots? Do you know? Uh, ballots can be finalized up until about a month before the election. They have to be finalized before the deadline of when they begin sending ballots to overseas, to overseas residents right. in the military. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I was wondering. So, yeah, because I was going to say, so it's not exactly, for example, if you're trying to get something on the ballot for next November, it's not exactly until next November. You've got to probably get it on there by um, – Ah, shoot, what, July? Next July, year? yeah. You would, yeah, so you would need to have everything. Yeah, and then in some cases, the questions go on the ballot in the primary, and then other times they go on the ballot in the general election. Most issues so it, are general election issues, right? Unless they're right. Like municipal, and, right? Right, yeah. So it's... Like I say, a lot of time frames there, but I mean, if you were trying to get something on the ballot next November, I mean, you really, this is almost too late, but it would just take, it's a massive labor intensive effort. It really is. And I mean, like Mm -hmm. the restoration of rights, man, it took them like four years to finally get everything together and get on the ballot. I want to say they started in 2012. And it was 2016 before. 2016, 2018, ooh, might have been even later than that before they finally got it passed. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, good to know. No, I mean, that, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because people need to know because it's it's like it's not an impromptu type of thing, you know, but if you've got an issue that, is, is really hitting you to your core, you really need to get out there and get get to working. Like if, it, if it's for next, if it's for next election, general election in November 2024, uh, you, you got to get out there like yesterday. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. if, and if it's beyond oh, yeah. that, you got a little time, but, um, you know, you just, just to let you know. Bruce, how can people contact what? you? Uh... You know, they can send an email to my office at Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A dot Newton, N-E-W-T-O-N, at MyFloridaHouse dot G-O-V, or to Sandra, S-A-N-D-R-A dot Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, at MyFloridaHouse dot gov. Okay. That is the best way. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're going to send me those, too, so I can post them, right? Oh, my Thank God, you. yeah. I will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say it like that. Lord have mercy. <laughs> 
appreciate your time. Thanks so much, and, and especially the extra time you gave, because I think it was important, and uh, thanks for covering the bases. Really appreciate it. Take care. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too. And thank you all for all listening. Right. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Come on, come on, come on. Give up the high praise.